Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Series, and let me just say to you this morning that we are part of God's house. I want to remind you this morning, I, I know I've said it, but I've got to say it again. I've got to make it very clear. Although this is our gathering place, hear me carefully this morning. God does not live in concrete and steel and gray paint and black ceiling tiles. God establishes himself in a house built by and piece by piece by individuals. He's using us as his building materials. And so we've been talking about how does God establish himself? How does he build his house? I want to remind you again that God is not obligated to live in something that he does not design. I, I need that to get into your spirit and to stick because I think what we think is we can just do church like we've always done it and God is obligated to move into our house. No, God will only live in what he designs. So we want to build it according to his structure and according to his plan. And we've been looking at that. And therefore we said that God builds his house on rules. And the first rule that God established in his house is authority. It's one of those cuss words that we don't use in church very often. And I begin to talk to you about the three avenues or vehicles that God begins to exert his authority to and, or through. And I've asked you to try to come to a place in your own mind and spirit where you will submit to those things. Number one is God's word. God's word is preeminent and prominent. And we will bow our knee every time, whether we like it or not, to God's word. I'm going to preach real hard today. Y'all might as well get ready. I worked myself silly this morning. I, I, I'm just telling I got a word in me. We bow our need, our need to God's word it's prominent it's preeminent we don't negotiate against it we we submit to the authority of God's word and then second I told you that the second arm of authority that God uses is our conscience it's that peace level when our peace stops we stop when we're about to buy the new house or the new car we're about to establish a relationship with someone and the peace level stops or begins to diminish we don't press through anyway we come to that place and our peace goes away and we stop and say no 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 I follow my peace level and then Woody stood up and preached about the one we really don't like which is the third avenue of God's authority which is delegated authority because the reality is this morning as God places people in our life he assigns them to us where we submit to their authority and as they speak it's almost like God speaking through them. We've got to be careful in those, uh, in those relationships and we've got to discern correctly but we find those relationships that we submit to. And then I told you that every productive house operates according to house manners at my house you don't talk with your mouth full at my house a man opens a door for a woman those are house manners and so I declare to you and I am not playing y'all I am I'm as serious as I've ever been we have got to learn to live by and to operate according to the house manners and I line them out this is not just a sermon I'm telling you we will conduct business here according to the manners that God has prescribed for us which are these number one I regard people differently I don't see you after the flesh I don't examine you and say that's just my wife or those are just my kids or that's just the janitor that's just the usher I now regard you after the spirit and I understand that something on the inside of you has been designed to bless me and I've got to push past all your weirdness 
And some of you got some. And, and I look deep inside of you and find the Jesus in you, and we regard one another differently. And then I told you we respect each other. We give honor to whom honor is due. There are some folks that you need to say thank you to. There are some folks around here that serve selflessly. There are folks in your past, that, like Danny talked about, that you need to go back and say thank you to because they've impacted your life and we respect them. And I said the third house manner is we resolve. There are broken relationships that need to be resolved. I just want to tell you this morning, you can try to worship till you're blue in the face and you can pray all night long. And if you have unresolved relationships in your life, your worship is stymied and your prayers are blocked. And it is time for us to operate by house manners and to resolve those relationships once and for all and get wholeness there. And then the fourth house manner was that we restore. Because the truth is, is that there are days I don't operate with manners and you're going to have to give me grace. That is the mandated manner for the house of God that we operate and deal with one another in grace. Now, that brings us to today. Because see, what I recognize is that most of us cannot build or obtain something that we have not seen. The truth this morning is that most of you have never been a part of a church that operates by the structure and by the setup that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And therefore, you have a real struggle trying to figure out how do we get there if we've never seen it before. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a model house. I want to actually show you what this kind of house looks like. See, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like to go walk through new homes. Uh, you walk in. Now, with this caveat, I don't like to walk through blank new homes, you know, with nothing in them. I like to go walk through the model home. I like to walk in there and see all the greenery and the 92 plasma TVs and on every blank wall in the house and look there with my jaw dropping. This is incredible because what the model home does is it shows us a glimpse, a picture of the potential that is wrapped up in a house. Now, we recognize that uh, at least this is my story. I'm sticking to it. When I walk into the model home I, and I see all 92 TVs and all this stuff and then the, the $5 million furniture, I walk in there and go, this is beautiful. I can't afford that, but I like it. Builders understand that if you provide a model home, it helps close the deal. It will turn your, oh, catch this, it will turn your visitation into a habitation. And so I think this morning what we need to do is we need to go examine a model house and try to get a picture of this. Now, let me just say this morning that all across the landscape of America and especially right here in Oklahoma City, just hear me this morning. Stay with me. I'm going. I'm trying to take you somewhere. All across Oklahoma City this morning, there are people gathered together just like this. And the truth be told, they're going to have a visitation from God. There's going to be an interruption into the service, out of, it's going to be out of the ordinary. It's not going to be normal. It might come in the way of a, a miracle. It might come in the way of a sign. It may come in the way of a wonder. It may just come in this, this sense of the presence of God that they haven't really had in a while. And what they will do, I've seen it happen time and time again. Hear me this morning. They will have a visitation. And what will happen is they will begin to talk about and celebrate and wish for and long for and memorialize that move. And at best, it will happen every once in a while. And at worst, it will never happen again. I don't want to be that house. I am not satisfied with the concept of us coming together and saying, you know what, God showed up once every other month. 
I am not satisfied to stand here this morning hoping that God might show up 12 services out of 52 in a year. I am not satisfied with it being out of the ordinary for God to move on our behalf. I am declaring to you today that the house that I want to see built here is I want to see God here every moment, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every month, every year. I want to see God reside here. Satisfied with talking about the good old days. I want my kids to experience the good old days today. I'm tired of sitting around hearing parents talking about the move of God that they experienced when they were 16, but my 16-year-old doesn't experience that. I want to see God move in his house. What happens is churches have an encounter with God, and then they begin to attempt and try to figure out how to adjust the atmosphere so that it will happen again one day. I've heard this statement, and I do agree, kind of. I've heard it said that you cannot create a move of God. I agree in that we cannot flesh God into moving, and we cannot manipulate God into moving, and that we cannot twist God's arm into moving when we want Him to. However, I've already taught you that God is obligated to move into what He designs. Therefore, I believe that we can create a move of God if we build the house the way he said to build it. He is obligated to move in. And so what I am saying to you this morning is I want us to establish a house built by, designed by, followed the blueprints of, so that when God sees what we're building here, we don't say, well, we're going to build it the way we want it and then ask you to show up. No, no, no. We build it according to his structure and plans, and then he is obligated to move in. God never moves into empty places. He moves into prepared places. And so we prepare. In fact, I said it this way early this morning. I want it. To be said again, I want the lack of a miracle to be out of ordinary. Hear me this morning. Can we we have a switch? Most churches that I am aware of sit around and talk about, they get in planning sessions and they begin to talk about, okay, on October 14th, we had a move of God. This is next year, by the way. All right. There are, there, the move happened in 2007. So on October 14, 2007, they had a move of God. They begin to sit around and they talk about, okay, what was the condition of the service that caused the move of God so that we can repeat it? Can I tell you the kind of meetings I want to have? I want to have the meetings where we sit around and go, that one Sunday out of 2009, we didn't encounter God. We didn't see anybody's life change. So what was wrong with that one Sunday? Do you understand the switch? That is a completely different way of thinking and expecting. I I, want to be involved in a house that it is normal. I know when we say normal, we think of normal as if I don't really, it's not that special anymore. It's just normal. No, no, no. I want it to be normal. Not that way kind of normal. I want it to be normal that God moves when we get together. Y'all quiet this morning. But that's the kind of house I long for. That's the kind of house I want to be a part of. The only problem is, most of us have never been a part of that kind of house. And so we don't know how to build that. 
So I want us to look into God's word and see a model house. How do we turn a visitation into a habitation? If you will, I want you to turn in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen for you. If you don't have your Bible with you, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 17. And I want you to listen carefully to what this says. It says, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he visited. He stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a, in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Let's set up a dwelling. Y'all get that in a minute. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he lay down there and he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him and Elisha said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. And Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway and he said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your ser servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. How do we build a model house? Some points this morning. The first step in building a model house is this. We must recognize that there is not enough room in our present structure. Notice, if you will, that this woman goes to her husband and says, there's this prophet, this man of God that keeps coming our way, and he's visiting, but I want to turn his visitation into a habitation. But I recognize, I acknowledge, I look around and understand that if I want him to be able to make a habitation here, there's no room in our present structure we need to expand. And so this morning, what I am challenging you to do is in order for God to move and live in and dwell among us, we have got to recognize that in our present structure, there is no room for expansion. In other words, for some of you, you only know how to do church one way. And so, you don't think God shows up unless we sing three songs, somebody gets up and reads a poem, the pastor gets up and takes up an offering, come back and th sing three more songs, sing a special. Then the pastor gets up and does three points, a poem, has a cute illustration, closes, sending you home, and we had church, and you can't think beyond that. And what I am saying to you is that in order for us to build and establish a house that God can live in, we got to unthink all we've learned and say, God, there's no room in my present structure, in my present mentality, in my present way of thinking i got to think differently, and i got to give differently, and i got to attend differently, and i got to believe differently. Y'all real quiet this morning. I just happened to remember sitting in my den before we ever started this church, sitting around with some folks and begun to go around the room. They were our core team. Couple by couple, I said, why do you want to start passion? They all articulated it different, but when it boiled down, it became the rallying cry for us, and I still believe it is the rallying cry. Over and over again, they said, we want more. There's got to be more. We don't see more. We want more. How do we get more? We want more. It came to me, I said, that's our rallying cry. We want more. The only problem is you can't get more. 
and think the way you've always thought and do what you've always done. And so I'm challenging you this morning. You may have never seen this kind of house before, but I'm asking you to think differently, to pray differently, to give differently, to believe differently and expand and make room for a habitation. The second thing that I recognize is that this woman suddenly came to this conclusion that we need to, to build. Now, let, let me back up just one second and say you need to go back and read Second Kings for yourself because in Second Kings chapter 4 in the first part, the Bible says that Elisha was traveling through a small village and he saw a woman who was uh, using oil and meal to make a meal. It was her last meal, you remember? For her son, she says, I'm going to make this meal and we're going to die. And, and Elisha says, no, take care of me first. She feeds him and... She, Then he gives this instruction, go to all your neighbors, get all their Tupperware bowls, find every empty bowl, every empty vessel that you can find, and bring it back. And when she does, do you remember what happens? They fill up until, go read it, capacity is reached. Teaching us that at the moment that our capacity is full, the anointing and the oil stops. My concern is this morning is that we've reached capacity. We've believed for all we can believe for. We've invited all we're going to invite. We've given all we're going to give. And I'm asking you to expand a little bit. Because at the moment you quit expanding, the oil will stop. Second point. In order to build a habitation, you have to have a firm foundation. Because if you build up and the foundation is not secure, it's dangerous. Uh, Can I just tell you, I wouldn't want to live under that guy living in the top room if there wasn't a firm foundation. Because at some point it's going to, it's like they lay that heavy pizza. Y'all seen that commercial? They lay it on the table and poof, it goes through. That's what happens. You will say, well, what does that mean for us, Steve? What that means is this. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. The literal translate, that's why when a church loses the glory, you remember Ichabod, remember? Kabod means glory, but do you, do you know what it, the literal translation is? Weightiness. The presence of God produces a weight. And in order to be able to handle the weight of God's presence and His habitation, God will not waste a habitation on a place where there is no foundation. If we're not able to handle the weight of His glory, He won't let the glory come. And so I'm telling you this morning, we've got to make sure that the foundation is secure. That's why I'm calling you to read His Word. That is why I'm calling you to pray. That is why I'm calling you to attend. That's why I'm calling you to press in and get more of God. Because if we have not established a firm foundation, the building, the house will collapse. That's why in the New Testament, Jesus says, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins. Because if you pour new wine in, as it begins to ferment and expand, carbon dioxide is released and it begins to expand and the old wineskin won't be able to stretch and it will explode and the Bible says not only will the wine be wasted but the wine skin will be wasted so therefore in order for us to handle something new we got to have a firm foundation we got to be able to handle the weight let me ask you a question this morning how firm is your foundation if God actually showed up could you handle it 
I, 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 I told him this morning, I want to tell, tell you again just so you hear me too. Can I tell you, I believe that God's glory is going to show up here and it's already shown up here, but it's even going to expand greater. But can I just warn you that when that begins to happen, all the wackos and all the kooky folks are going to show up? Never fails. Never fails. You go to any church in America or in the world that's ever had a genuine move of God, the freaks come out of the woodwork. They just do. It's just part of it. It's called being blown about by every wind of doctrine. See, I believe in the the New Testament there's a parable told about the man who builds his house on the sand. And we always think that that deals with just that's how we we, got to build our life so we're not blown about by temptation. But what if that's not about temptation? What if that's about a move of God? And so what I'm declaring to you this morning is this, is that as a house, we got to secure our foundations so that when all the wackos and all the freaks come and they want to do freaky stuff that doesn't line up to God's word, we go, no, 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 you don't understand. We are built on a firm foundation. It's called God's word. And you can do anything you want to do in here as long as it lines up with his word. Oh, y'all ain't talking back to me, but that's the way we got to be or we won't be able to handle the weight of his glory. So we've got to expand. We've got to understand that we've got to secure the foundation. But I noticed something. A model home is also a furnished home. Notice that this couple didn't just build a a room on top of their house and say, okay, prophet, move in. No, no. They furnished the home first. I I just want to clue you in this morning. If you didn't know this, uh, God's always been in the furniture business. I'm serious. You go back to the Old Testament, not only did he give instructions on how to build the house, he follows that up by giving very specific instructions on how you're supposed to build the furniture. God likes furniture because he likes prepared places. And so this couple recognizes that in order to change a visitation to a habitation, we got to furnish the house. And so they set about, about furnishing this room Now, let me just tell you something quickly. Furniture is expensive. Anybody been to Mathis Brothers lately? (laughs) Furniture is expensive. Furniture doesn't come cheap. And so in order for us to furnish the house in such a manner that God is willing to move in and take up residence, we've got to come to grips with this decision in our own mind. Am I willing to pay the price? To furnish this house. Because if we're not, then in essence what we're saying is we'll settle for once in every blue moon we'll have a move of God. I just got news for you. I am not willing to settle for a visitation. And so I'm willing to pay the price. Are you? Here, here, here's the furniture. That what they place in this house is representation of what it takes to make the house livable. For God. They placed four things quickly. First, they placed a bed. The bed is a place of rest that represents a place of rest. We have forgotten as Christians and as believers and as church folk how to rest in God. In fact, what we've done is we've substituted activity for lack of spiritual depth. Just keep me busy and I won't have to deal with the fact that I don't really know who God is and I have no relationship with Him and I haven't spent any time with Him. Just give me program. Hey, listen, there are millions of good ideas for this church. There are only a few God ideas. 
There are millions of things, good things that you can give your life to, that you can serve in, that you can volunteer, that will take up 24 hours of your day, every moment of your life. But there are only a few select God things that he's assigned for you to do. And if you get caught up in all that other stuff, you will find no rest. We've forgotten that Psalms chapter 37 verse 7 says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him we've forgotten that isaiah julie and i used to use this one when we were dating we'd write back and forth and this was our verse isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 those that wait on the lord shall renew their strength we don't have any strength because we won't rest in him the message bible says it like this in matthew chapter 11 verse 28 through 30 are you tired Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So my question to you this morning is if we're going to build a house that he can move into, where do you get your rest? If I could just get a vacation, I would be rested. No, I I just got news for you. Every time I go on a vacation, I come home more tired than when I went. If I could just just get more money, I could rest. I wouldn't have to worry anymore, and I could... If I could just get in the right relationship, I... I don't know if y'all know this, but relationships take work. I ain't found one yet that causes me any rest. Except one. I'm not even talking about Julie. I'm talking about him. So we have to conclude that we must find this place where we go back and we rest in him. I don't want you to be so busy that you can't search and find God. Well, if you just, Steve, I don't know about your church, man. If you just have something going every night, I could find some rest. No, you wouldn't. You'd hate God and everybody else. The second thing they did is they placed a table in that room. A table represents a place of communion, a place to be fed, a place of fellowship. See, the reality for most of us is we want a habitation, but we don't want to take the time to be fed. Figure I'd get very many amens right there. But that's just the reality. Because what we, we're like Zacchaeus. You remember that Zacchaeus story in the New Testament? We used to sing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee man, little man was he. Y'all remember that song, right? There's truth in there. The truth is, is that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. So do we. But the whole time that Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus, you know what Jesus wants? Fellowship. Listen, I want to see Jesus. I want to see the power of Jesus. I want to see the works of Jesus. I want to see his works work through me. But I've come to this conclusion. The only way that any of that ever happens is if I get to this place where I come to his table and I commune in fellowship with him. What we want to do is we want to eat and run. Well, if we could just have nine-hour-long services, I could get into fellowship with him and communion with him. No! I'm not even talking about this place. I'm talking about our house because this trickles down into our lives. If you would just commune with him all week long, then you could show up here, our gathering place, and on the first note, you would be ready. 
oh, if we could just get a worship team that could prime us up and work us. Man, you got to work them for an hour and a half. And at the hour and a half mark, man, we're ready. Let's go. Let's have church. No, why don't you find yourself a table and commune? Put a table in your house and commune with him. That's the only way that he is ever going to take up habitation in this house. When we quit showing up expecting the worship team to provide for us a fellowship moment with God that we haven't established all week long. Mm. And we commune with him. Third, they put a chair. A chair represents or is a place of support. The only reason that this chair is of any use to me at all is because I believe in it. Man, it's, it's, it's structured nice. Look, man, they did good welds. Strong. I, I just have faith that, that this thing is going to hold my weight. I don't have to worry about it collapsing. Man, this thing is strong, man. I can rely on this thing. Hear me this morning. God will never move into our house until we come back to this place where we rely on him. Uh, no, no, you don't understand. I rely on my friends. I rely on my spouse. I rely on my job. I rely on programming. I, re- I rely on the fact that we got a great worship team to have a move of God. I rely on a, a, a good preacher that can bring a good sermon. I just rely on the, I, I rely on really great advertising. Man, it's slick. We got bus benches and billboards and bumper stickers. That's going to fill the house. I rely on. No, we rely on one thing and one thing only, God. He's the only thing that always comes through. He's the only one that never comes up short. He's the only one that never runs out of power. He's the only one that can sustain me and give me life. And I can rest. I can rest on He's secure. He's strong. I don't have to worry about him falling apart. I can trust him. You say, well, why are you telling us that? Well, the truth is this morning is that some of you are facing major decisions in your life. Some of you right now are debating about job choices and career choices. Some of you are talking and and dealing with major moves. And some of you are having major relationship issues. And my question this morning is, who do you trust? Because, see, we we quote Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. We just don't believe it. Because Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under your own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let me read to you the message Bible. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. A habitation occurs when we come to this place individually and corporately where we actually Honestly, trust God. There's a novel idea. You say, well, Steve, that's what church is all No, it's not. Because I can take you to a church in the Old Testament that didn't operate that way, can I? Just for a moment. Micah chapter 3, verse 11. Listen to this church. Her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. And her prophets tell fortunes for money. In other words, they prophesy instead of prophesy. They're fortune tellers. They're making money out of it. That's all they're concerned about. They build that kind of house. They're doing church like that. Now listen to what they say. Yet they lean upon the Lord and they say, is not the Lord among us? And then they say, no disaster 
will come upon us. Doesn't that sound like how we do church and how we build our house? God, I'll build it the way I want to. I'll keep living the way I want to live. I'll go where I want to go, do the things I want to do. But because I'm a Christian, you're obligated. Nothing's going to happen to me. And God's laughing at them. Going, you're crazy to think that you can do what you want to do. That's why picking the house is, oh, that's why picking the house is so important. Because you've got to make sure you're part of this house and that your house is established in this place where we find out what God's doing and we get involved and don't ask him to just bless what we do. Because we lean and we trust and we expect him to support us. And finally, it says that they put a lamp in the room. The lamp always represents the word. It's illumination. Can I make a statement to you this morning? You cannot have a permanent habitation without the light of the word. Can I tell you this morning that we can have the best worship team, the best youth ministry, the best children's workers. We can have it all in place. We can have the best advertisement. We can have a preacher that can preach the paint off the walls. And the reality is, is if you don't apply the light in your own house, we will not have a permanent habitation of God's presence because it requires that the lamp is in the house. That's why I am challenging you beginning January 3rd that for four minutes a day, for five days a week, that together corporately we read the same thing and we're going to read the New Testament all the way through in one year. Why? So that when we come together there's light in the room. Can I tell you the truth? The word that I give you on Sundays, do you know what day that light is for? Sunday. And I ain't going home with you. And I ain't going to get up in your living room tomorrow morning, walk in your house and say, okay, turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 4 or 5. We'll read. That's our daily read. No. I am obligated to bring you light on Sunday morning. Guess whose responsibility is to light the house the rest of the week? yours you need fresh light how long does a fire keep going once you take all the coals away not very long the light of God's word is that fire in you Jeremiah said it like this he says it brings a permanent fire into my bones it sustains me David said it like this he said God's word produces protection from sin he said it like this I have hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee may I just presume that maybe the reason you keep sinning is because mm, you don't have any light. David said that God's word brings direction. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It teaches me where I'm supposed to go. Can I declare to you this morning that if we are going to build the house that God is going to live in, the only house that he will abide in is a house that is built. I'm going to say it like this on purpose. Is that is a house that is built from folks that have the light of God's word shining in their lives on a daily basis. He won't move in otherwise. Fourth, his house must come first. In the story that I read to you, the Bible says that Elisha says of this woman, you've gone out of your way to take care of us. You thought about us first. You took, you took time to deal with our room above your own room. You thought about us first. Can, 
can I just ask you a question? I, don't Please don't raise your hand. How many of you come to this church and it never crosses your mind except Sunday morning? How many of you actually get up throughout your week and find a place of prayer and ask God to bless and use and move into this church? We become so consumed about our own issues and our own problems that we forget about his house. And I am declaring to you today that we've got to adjust. We've got to change. We've got to make his house our priority again. Because when we make his house more important than our house, he'll move in. In fact, the Bible says that God says to David, you don't even get to build you a house before you build me a house. So I expect you all to all leave your keys here. One, no, I'm playing. I'm just saying that our attention's got to change and we get our, get our minds off of ourselves long enough to understand that if we take care of God's house, that's the relationships that he builds our house from. That's the furnishings that are supposed to be in his house. That are those people that we're assigned to bring into his house. If we would deal with all that, he'll move in. And finally, the last thing I'll say to you and then I'm done. A model house is a full house. Think about it. They build this room. They furnish it. They take their needs into consideration first. And the Bible says, the prophet goes and says, what can I do for you? She couldn't come up with anything. Interesting statement. Never caught it until this morning. It says, the servant says, she has no son, but her husband's old. I don't know if he robbed the cradle and she wasn't old. I, I'm just reading it like it said. The husband was old. They recognize there's no son there. There's no life there. But a model home is a full home. And so suddenly, out of barrenness, comes offspring. Mm, I like this. Out of a dead place, life comes back. Out of nothingness, a legacy comes. A lineage comes. And so what I am saying to you is, is this. If we would expand how we think, and if we would secure our foundations, and if we would furnish his home appropriately, and if we would pay attention to his house first, can I, can I prophesy just for a moment? He will fill his house. And where there were dead places, they will come back to life. That ought to excite you because some of you have dead things inside of you. You have dead dreams and dread, dead hopes and dead relationships. And there are things that you thought were going to happen that didn't happen. And they're dead and they're barren and you think they're gone for good. And what I am saying is if we would build the right kind of house, we could pull up in that nasty-looking parking lot, and when we pull the lever on our door and we begin to swing that door open and our foot comes out of the car and our foot hits the pavement and when we begin our journey in here, excitement would overtake us and our, we would come in with bated breath anticipating this fact that when I get into his house, life will spring again. And that means I can bring my friends who are broken and disappointed and discouraged and who are addicted and relationships falling apart with no chance of survival, knowing this when I can get them into his house out of a dead place. Life can come in. Can I tell you what kind of house I want to have? I want that kind of house. That's the kind of house 
that's the only kind of house worth working for. That's the only kind of house worth attending. That's the only kind of house worth getting out of your bed on a Sunday morning when it's six degrees outside and rolling yourself out and getting cold to come into a That's the only kind of house. That's the only kind of house worth coming to, sitting next to people you might not even like. But because we're operating by house manners, I regard you different. And I understand that life is springing up on the inside of me. And if we're not building that kind of house, then shut the doors and turn off the lights and let's go somewhere else. I'm willing to pay the price. Are you? Father, stretch her way of thinking. Stretch us. I don't want to do church like I've always done church because that's all I've ever known. I want to establish a model home. Father, secure our foundations so that we won't be blown around by every wind of doctrine, but we will be obedient to your word. And Father, I pray that we would furnish this house for you. I pray that we would rest in you. I pray that we would fellowship with you. God, I pray that we would rely on you. And I pray that we would know your word. And so, Father, I pray over my people today. I pray in the name of Jesus what you would do is I pray that you would cause them to once again consider your house first. To put your house at the top of their list. And then, Father, I pray that you'd fill the house with your glory that produces offspring in us again. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning, just briefly? Steve, we, I want to come. No, listen, I understand. I've been doing it this way all this series. I'm not bringing you to the front. Expand, think differently. You need to go home and chew on this. I'm getting ready to pray a vicious prayer over you. Seriously. No, I ain't playing. I'm getting ready to pray a prayer some of you ain't even going to like. But I believe God's going to answer it. If you need special prayer this morning, need somebody to lay hands on you, our prayer team is out in the west lobby. As you exit the building, turn left. They'll be standing there. They'll lay hands on you and agree. I believe God's going to touch people out there during this. Get your drive card. Talk about what we're talking about on your way home. Get your cookies, get your pizza, whatever, all that stuff. I'm going to pray over you and then I'm going to dismiss. I'm telling you, it's a vicious prayer, but this is what God's placed on my heart. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Jesus, I pray over every person under the sound of my voice that they wouldn't get one wink of sleep tonight. I pray that they would toss and turn until they come to grips with this question and answer. I pray that it keep them up and make them angry if necessary. I pray even if they go home and, and you begin to answer my prayer and they think they can outwit you and take a sleeping pill, I pray that it would flip it on them. Until they can deal with this question right here. Am I willing to settle for a visitation 
or. Or. Am I more determined than ever in my life to pay the price to build a habitation for you? And until we answer that question, keep us up at night. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.